0: Let's be turning to Colossians chapter 2. Now the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of our God to sinners. It declares the message of the good hope that we've been given of God. The good hope for all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the manifestation that God has chosen you and called you and blessed you in Christ. He gives faith to his children, faith which looks alone to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ, he tells you that, you that believe, he tells you that all your sins are forgiven. They're put away forever. They're not coming back. And in Christ, he gives you everlasting life, eternal life, in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. In our Lord, he tells us that all your enemies have been defeated. They're all put down. They cannot rise up and do you any harm. What they say has no standing before God. They cannot tear you down or make you look bad before God because Christ is your mediator. He is your intercessor. And our God tells us that Christ is our king. He's our king. He put down all his enemies and all your enemies and they have nothing more to say to you. They don't rule you. You don't listen to them. You're not subject to them. You're subject to Christ, the king. But now here in Colossians, we see that a mixed message has entered into the churches. There's a mixed message coming in. And this is right here when the apostles are, are yet speaking on the earth. The apostles here. And these this mixed message has already come in. And we see the mixed messages in our day. We see them to this day. They're still here. From the Judaizers... There's a blending of the law. There's a bringing in of the law to subject the people of God to the law of Moses. And then on the other side, with the pagans, there's philosophies. There's churches that are community churches about doing good works and and about being good citizens in the world. And they bring in a false gospel, a false message, which is no gospel at all. And other pagan churches... They bring in the worship of angels. That is, they speak of other mediators in addition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Other mediators and other wicked works, other man-made ideas and things that cannot save but damn those who believe them and trust in them. Paul, therefore, is showing the believers the sufficiency of Christ. He's never even been to Colossae, but he's equipping them with the knowledge to to withstand and to, to not go along with these false, wicked ideas. And he's telling them of the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, telling them in verse 10, ye are complete in him. And he speaks of the circumcision which Christ works in the heart. You don't need the law of Moses. You've been circumcised, you that believe, uh, you've been circumcised by the Lord Jesus Christ a circumcision made without hands, verse 11. And in verse 12, he tells us you are risen with Christ. You've been raised from the dead with Christ. And in Christ, verse 13, God has forgiven you all your trespasses. You don't need the law of Moses to guide you to be your rule of life. He's written his law on your heart and mind. And that's not the law of Moses that he's written there. He's written his law, the law of faith, the law of liberty, the law that that walks after Christ by faith and trusts the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need fleshly ordinances to constrain sin. You have the love of Christ in your heart. And, And the love of Christ constraineth us in the new man to love Christ and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You don't need another mediator with God. Christ is your intercessor. Christ is the one who speaks for you and stands up for you. So Paul is teaching us that Christ is all. Christ is all. I've titled this message, Who is your king? Who is your king? Paul is presently here. He begins addressing the Judaizers, the Jews who came into the Gentile churches saying, The likes of, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That's what they're saying. Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And that's what people in our day are saying when they tell you the law is is the, the believer's rule of life. Look to the law of Moses. That's how you know how to live before God and before men. You look to the law. They're turning you away from Christ and they're turning you to the law of Moses. And when you say, wait a minute, I'm walking in Christ by faith, they're saying, you're wicked. They're, they accuse you of wickedness, of wrongdoing. And they, they they try to trouble you with words and saying, that's not enough. That's not sufficient. They're not believing the gospel which tells us that Christ is sufficient. And so Paul tells then you've been circumcised. You don't need to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. You've been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And Christ has put off that pollution of the flesh. He's removed that enmity which is in our hearts and minds by nature and Adam. Christ has cut it away. Christ has removed it. He's all. Follow him. Believe him. Trust him. What fleshly cutting of the flesh... Are we going to do that God himself has not worked in us by his spirit? You that believe him and follow him and trust him in sincerity and in truth, desiring for for Christ to rule in you. You want Christ to rule in you. You love Christ. You believe him. There's nothing more that you can do in the flesh that's going to make that more effective unto you. Trust Christ. Believe him. Walk by faith in him. Now, Christ did give us two ordinances. there, there. We do have two ordinances. He's given us baptism, and he's given us the bread and the wine at the Lord's table. Both of these testify. These speak of what the believer testifies publicly of their hope in Christ. We, we testify by these ordinances that, yes, we believe Christ. We walk in him. We trust him. He's all our righteousness. And our God assembles his church where he meets with his people. And there he testifies of the gospel. That's the that's the, the true breaking of the bread with one another. Every time we meet, preaching the gospel, where he feeds you the bread of life, the bread of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we preach the gospel, and we worship God in song, and in prayer, and in the reading of the scriptures, and the preaching of the word. We worship our God, and we maintain some level of order, so that you know what to expect, so that there's just some order but there's there's no overbearing ordinances, there's no overbearing ceremonies, there's no things that we have to adhere to for us to be saved. We walk in the Lord Jesus Christ, He is our salvation, He's our hope now our our Lord, if you notice, he purposely never gave us any ordinance that ties us back to the law of Moses. Baptism and the breaking of bread at the table, that's not tied to the law of Moses. There's no ordinances from that law of Moses. Why? Because whatsoever things, or what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. And you are not under the law. You've been delivered from the law. He tells us in another place, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. You're dead to the law. You're not under the law. You're not subject to the law. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. Christ delivered us from the law of Moses, along with delivering us from the curse of the law of Moses. He tells us in verse 14, now Colossians 2, 14, that our Lord blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You and I cannot keep the law of Moses. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to Sinai. Don't try to come to God keeping the law of Moses. Don't add anything to what Christ has done for you. Do not look to the law for some part of your righteousness. If you go to the law of Moses, you might as well be picking up sticks on the Sabbath day and then be drugged to before the congregation to give an account to Moses, Aaron, and the congregation. And what do they do with that man who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath day? They put, him to, they put him to death. They stoned him without the city, without the camp. That's what, that's what you get when you try to come to God in the law of Moses. You put yourself under the curse of the law of Moses. That's not your righteousness. Jesus Christ is all your righteousness. Those who go to the law have left Christ. They've turned from Christ. They've submitted themselves to that curse of the law to do it all, otherwise death. Death is what's given to you. Christ took the law of Moses with all its ordinances and removed them from having any authority over God's people. Christ is all our standing before holy God. He's all our standing before our God. It's not that we're lawless. It's not that we have no law. We have the law of faith the law of liberty, the law of love in the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, Abraham didn't have the law, and and he worshipped God faithfully. Now, Abraham didn't go down and party with the Sodomites. He worshipped God, he trusted God, but he didn't need the law to tell him not to do that. He had the Spirit of God in him. He walked by faith, trusting the Lord. And so our, our Savior delivered us from the law of Moses and its curses, having fulfilled the law perfectly. He fulfilled it all, and we have the righteousness of Christ that clothes us and is our standing before Holy God. Paul tells us that Christ took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What does he mean by nailing it to his cross? Well, what did the Father have Moses, what did he move Pilate to do When he crucified Christ. Pilate wrote a title. And he took that title. And he nailed it to the cross that Christ was on. Jesus of Nazareth. The king of the Jews. Your God is telling you who your Lord and who your king is. And it's not Moses. It's Christ. Christ is your king. He is our king. The Jews, when they saw that title, they said, you need to change that. We want you to change that. And that man who did everything that the Jews wanted him to do up to that point said, nope, that's it. What I've written is what I've written, and I'm not changing it. Because God insisted, God determined what he should write, that what he wrote was exactly the reason why Christ was crucified, because he is the king of the Jews. He's the king of his people. And as our king, he laid down his life to deliver us from all our enemies, to deliver us from death. He's our triumphant king, our glorious king. He's wonderful. And it's why we love him because he showed us, I've defeated all your enemies. No one can stand against you. Get behind him. He's the savior. He's the mighty king. He's the glory of his people. There, it's, there it was as a glorious crown fixed above the head of our Lord. That's his crown. I'm the king of the Jews. And I've given my life to save your life, to deliver you from that law and that curse which you could not keep and save yourselves by. I've nailed it to my cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And so he's the triumphant king of his people. Look at the next verse, Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Just like a a glorious battle in whom the victor reigns triumphant and spoils the enemy of all their goods, so our Savior conquered his enemies and he spoiled the strong man that was too strong for us And he delivered us out of his house, taking the precious things, those things which the Father hath chosen and given to him. He delivered us from that death. Glory to his name. Christ won the great battle at the cross. That's where he triumphed over our accuser, that old serpent that accuses us and brings up our sins and shows our sins to our eyes and says, Look at that. You're filthy. You're no Christian. You're no child of God. Christ says, silence. You've got nothing to say to them. Those words have no bearing to your father. He doesn't hear the accuser. He looks to his son and he's well pleased with him in whom you trust for all your righteousness. There on the cross, Christ overcame death in the grave. We can't deliver ourselves from the grave. We try to cheat death. Well, Christ overcame it. And he delivers all his people from death so that it has no more bearing, no say over you. It cannot keep you. When he returns, he shall raise you from the dead just like he promised. And you shall forever be with your Lord. There on the cross, he ransomed his people from the hands of God's justice. Now, God's justice is good. It's right. He's righteous and holy and perfect. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that justice. And so Christ paid our debts. He paid the the debt of of our sins, which we owed to God, our righteousness that we owed. Christ gave it all. He paid it all and delivered his people out of the hands of God's justice so that we we that believe in Christ shall not stand before God and, and receive that justice in ourselves. We died with Christ. And we've been delivered from that justice by Christ Jesus. And so having established for us the covenant of grace through the shedding of his own blood on the cross, he obtained the forgiveness of our sins. And he gives us life and fellowship and reconciles us to holy God so that we're not enmity against God. He's put that away. He... he, remove that through the circumcision of of the flesh. He removed that enmity and he restores us to the fellowship with God. Reconciling us to holy God that we may know him and worship him and rejoice before him. No longer laboring in fear and worry and doubts and struggling and striving and spending that which we don't even have to spend because Christ has fulfilled the law and he is our righteousness and our hope and we follow him. The will of the Father on the cross, the will of our Father who sent him, was all finished. He finished it. He finished it. Christ is the king, having defeated his enemies and ours, and he justified us in perfect righteousness. You know, Paul, speaking of the law, when he was writing to Timothy, he said it this way in 1 Timothy 1, verses 9 through 11. He said, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. And you that are in Christ Jesus are righteous men and women. (laughs) And it's not for the righteous, but the law is for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, the grace of God doesn't teach us to practice these things and to go on doing these things. As I said before, Abraham didn't party with the Sodomites. He, He left them to themselves and he followed God. He worshiped God. It's according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, Paul says. So you're dead to the law. You're dead to the law with Christ. You're married to Christ who is your husband. Moses is not your husband. We don't bear fruit unto God by serving Moses. That's a perversion. That's a perversion. We, we bear fruits unto God by our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. He bears fruits of righteousness in us. The fruit of faith and love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and forgiving one another, walking in faith, that's the fruits of Christ in you, not the fruit of Moses. That's a perversion. That's, he's not our, our Lord and Savior. Believers bear fruit by Christ. Hebrews 10:16. this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. He's speaking of the new birth. The giving of the Holy Spirit that regenerates the dead sinner, giving us life, that hears the voice of Christ, <clears throat> that follows him in faith, that's a living soul. A living soul does that. Dead people don't do that. They lay there dead. That's all they can do. And so we serve and follow our Lord, now being regenerated by the Spirit in newness of life by Christ, by, born again by the seed of Christ. We were born of Adam's seed, and it's corrupt, and defiled, and ruined, and dead. And it shall be that way till Christ raises us from the dead and gives us a new body. But now in the new man we worship Christ. We worship our God. We serve and follow him, and he defends us from all the accusations and the fiery darts and the arrows that come and are slung at us, because they do come. And the world tells you, you can't talk like that. You can't tell people that they're not under the law. They're going to go and do what they want to do. Well, yeah, that's true. And you that have the Spirit of God are going to do what you want to do, serving God, following Him, trusting Him, walking in faith before Him. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe Him. He is the sinner's righteousness. He is the salvation of God for sinners. It says in Romans 8, and 34, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So when the enemy comes, hurling his fiery darts at you, those big spears that, that would knock people over, it's not what your works that have justified you. That will take you out. It's the justification of God in Christ for his people. He's justified you. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's our defender. And your enemies can try and tear you down and and ruin your hope in the Lord, but Christ is your intercessor, and Christ is your strength. And though you are weak in the flesh, that's a good thing. Christ is your strength. He's your strength. Continue. Faint yet pursue. We are faint in this flesh, but we are pursuing the Lord, looking to him, going after him, following after him, because he's our all. He's our all, and he's our king. So whose voice are we to heed? Are we listening to our king, or are we listening to those who speak contrary to Christ? That's what Paul is getting at here. Whose voice are you listening to? Are you going to go with the religionists, the self righteous? who are telling you how to live by their, tra- by their traditions and philosophies and vain deceits? Or are you going to believe the gospel of God in the Lord Jesus Christ that tells us he's your righteousness? Stay in him. Look to him. Believe him. Rest in him. Paul encourages believers in Christ in verse 16. Look at verse 16. He says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. All right, men get all caught up in the Sabbath and trying to worship God and show that you're holy by your keeping of the Sabbath. Some on the Saturday, some on the Sunday, some on this day. Christ is our Sabbath rest. He he gives the rest to his people. That's where we cease from all our labors, is resting in Christ. Anything else is actually picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. Trying to come to God in in our keeping of the Sabbath for righteousness. No, we come to God in the Sabbath rest, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our rest. He's our rest. So Paul's saying, don't heed the Judaizers. Don't listen to what they're saying. They want to put you under the law of Moses. And you're not under Moses. You're under Christ. Verse 17, those things of Moses, they are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And that's what the law of Moses is. It's good, and it's very helpful. I'm thankful for the Old Testament. That's what Christ and the apostles preached out of was the Old Testament. They saw Christ in it. And and the law shows us types and pictures and shadows of Christ and how he is all our righteousness. It's to turn our eyes on the Redeemer. To look for the Redeemer, just like the faithful of Israel looked for redemption in Israel. They were looking for the same Redeemer. They were looking for his coming, and now he is come. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the law, all that the law pictured and spoke of. All that the prophets wrote of, Christ is the fulfillment of it all. No, I'd rather have Michelle. I'd rather hold Michelle and be, be, be with Michelle and spend time with Michelle than having just a picture of Michelle. A picture is great when she's not around. But when she's there, I want to spend time with her. I want to hold her. And that's how it is with Christ. Why would we go to the shadow of a thing? Why would we run to the picture and the type when you have the substance right there, the Lord Jesus Christ? The very one of whom those shadows spoke of and were a reflection of. They were reflecting him. And so we don't trust. We, it's the same thing with, with Christ. Men today would rather have the form and rather have a dead letter faith. They want their structure and their ceremonies and their robes and all that they're trusting in rather than depending on Christ. Rather than begging God for mercy, they'd rather do a form of a thing and the practice of a thing to feel good about themselves rather than walking by faith, which says, Lord, save me, have mercy on me, Lord, keep me, not in form and ceremony, keep my heart ever looking to you and trusting you. That's walking by faith. And so to those that have not the spirit, Christ is, is the shadow. And they want, they've got to touch something. They've got to do something because that's the substance. But you don't want that which your natural eyes see. You want, to, you want to hold him and be held by him who your eyes of faith see and behold. Because he's reality. He's reality. And we'll see that probably next time we come back to Colossians. That, that we're there. We're seated now in the presence of God in heavenly places. We're, we're in Christ even now. And then the opposite to the Jews, there were Gentile philosophers who incorporated pagan worship into Christianity. Look at verses 18 and 19. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. In other words, our God is doing all things. Just like our bodies are functioning and working and we don't know why it works, but but the brain's firing and doing what it does, well, our God is doing what he does and it's all working. (laughs) It's all being kept and fed and nourished and provided for and strengthened as... God feeds and nourishes and provides for it as he sees fit. And so the sense here with these pagans is that they were looking to other sources of mediators with God. They were adding to those who who, who gain us an entrance with the Father. They didn't believe that there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. They were worshiping the creature. And we see strong examples of that not in a good way but but examples of that today even in the catholic church right they make mary to be a mediator and an intercessor between you and god or they put a man as a priest between you and god and they pray to saints right saints that that they tell you have special abilities in certain areas that you know if you lose something you can pray to this one or you want something over here you can pray to that one and it's all just another mediator. They're, they're setting up other mediators between you and God. And then they use fleshly props, grand ornate buildings, magnificent engineering works of art with stone and, and accents of beautiful wood and things like that and stained glass and, and, and raised ceilings and arches and things like that to create awe in the people and they provide little stations that they set up with either a painting or a statue and they walk through with, with incense that smells and they swing it and there's a procession going down the, the aisles and with things on top of tall sticks with symbols that are religious and whatnot and robes and hats and all kinds of things and chants going on candles you can buy to deliver your loved ones out of the, the fires of purgatory that they speak of there's no purgatory but it's all just this, this arrangement of religion to create an, a sense of awe and wonder in the flesh because they have not the presence of the Spirit. And the Spirit gives us all that awe and that love and that affection for our God so that we don't need those things. This won't do for most people. This isn't, this isn't engaging of the senses enough. They want something more than what you have here. But you have the substance, not the shadow, not the picture. You have the Lord Jesus Christ. You that hope in him. And that's exactly where our God is putting our eyes. On him, on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's sufficient. To to others he's not sufficient, but he's sufficient to you. So the question is, who is your king? Christ is the king, not Moses. Who is your mediator with God? Christ is our mediator with God. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall not be ashamed in that day when you stand before God. You trust him because he is the salvation the Father has given to us to deliver us from death and to give us life and fellowship evermore with him. Amen.